It's the startup music. Bring it closer. Yeah, I'm feeling it. That's how you know we're going to have fun. Oh, yeah! Howdy, everybody! I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Antiwave. Yes, it a is. A podcast all about the enemies of the typical Hollywood films. Because this week... Because this week, we're going to do... Yeah. What are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) Best of enemies. Best of enemies. Yeah. And our our top five this week is... Top five enemies. Enemy movies. And you know, it's pretty funny, Robert, because we actually went back and forth. Like, we, by the way, we should tell our listeners, we we keep a log of all of our top fives Mm -hmm. and the five that we come up with individually as well as our guests. And we were both so certain that surely we've done this one before. I checked three times, not only a search on the log... Um, in the document, but I even went manually and skimmed just to make sure mm-hmm. it's not there. It feels like, like we've already done this one, but we haven't. We haven't. Yeah. Well, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. I can't yeah. believe we've not done top it's five weird. enemies. We've come up with some. We've really even done ones. a movie called Enemy, but right. we've not done. That's right. Top five enemies. Yeah. yeah. Go figure. We are tonight, though. Top five enemies We're is coming it. up. We're doing. Hey, uh, last week we had some submissions for top five treasure movies. Yes, and uh, I think it's worth mentioning just a couple of them. Some yeah. of them are uh, were kind of interesting. Somebody mentioned uh, City Slickers Two: Legend of Curly's Gold. Did you ever see that? I didn't. I sure know of it. Don't, that was, don't that was bother. A, what's, don't uh, bother? Nah, it's all right. But also, you got Muppet Treasure Island. How about that one? <laughs> the Librarian. Have you seen those movies? The Librarian. No, I'm familiar no, with them. I've never seen them. It's a series of films. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. yeah, it's a yeah. bunch of them. And then yeah. uh, Maltese Falcon, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, Time Bandits. Did we mention Time? No, Bandits? No, we didn't mention Time so. Bandits. I think yeah. a lot of Terry Gilliam's stuff is uh, falls into that category. Right, right. And then uh, Pamela Anderson's boobs from Barbed Wire. So those are all the treasures. <laughs> And uh, yeah, treasure movies. That was a treasure. Yeah. You're a treasure. Oh, national treasure. Yeah. All right. Hey, man, what'd Good. you do this week? Nothing. Anything? Absolutely nothing. Nothing? No. And again, I said this last week, and I said it kind of flippant, but with all flippant humor, there's a tiny bit of truth under there that you're going through such a, an evolution and growth in your family that I feel like I'm stagnant. I think that's exactly what I said last week. And seeing you and your and your wife and your kid, look what you're going through, Robert. Going through something. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of changes going on around there here. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so how is the wife and kid? It, it's going good, man. It I is. mean, okay. So a few things about the baby. Do tell. Number one, uh, was not really aware of this. I, I guess I'd noticed it on other people's babies a little bit, but I, I, I hadn't really noticed it. Baby acne is a real thing. Really? Yeah, they get acne, and it's it's kind of weird because you're not used to seeing that on babies. Usually, they have this beautiful skin, and it comes from a lot of hormones. You know, there's hormones in the breast milk that they eat, and there's also they're just kind of up against mom all day, and they get kind of hot and sweaty. So, and their pores are not very big, so they do get little baby acne. Does your baby have pimples? She does. She has pimples. She's tiny little on her little face. Yeah. Really? And it's quite oh, common. What's that product? Proactive. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen those infomercials. Producer Joey, are we going to get proactive? Get some proactive. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's They've it. got all these testimonials and the pro- infomercial. Yeah. I wonder if it's or for infants. I'll just get a cheese grater and grate it off. Now you're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's a real thing. Wow. And then uh, what else was kind of interesting? That we, oh, so the, the uh, our, our baby, she's fucking strong, man. She's, uh, she can kick. She got some. She got some crazy power. She's got crazy neck strength too. And she's now to the point. She's only you know a little over five weeks old, 
but she can stand up. Uh, you have to She's balance standing her. up on her own. No, not on her own. You have to balance her, but she can hold it for a few seconds. If you kind of balance her and steady her, she'll stand up and then she'll kind of start teetering and then she'll fall over. She's five weeks old. It's fucking crazy. I, I I'm not. I, I'm wondering if if your if your daughter has a sense of knowing I should really start standing up now. You don't. Is there like an internal organic? Does it know that I should I should be working on this? I. I think there's some sort of instinct. I suspect yeah, that's the word instinct. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, usually they're supposed to crawl before they walk. And yeah. apparently, some of the research that we had done, I think Bruce Joe had found uh, that there there's some research that shows if they walk before they start crawling, that they it leads to um, adverse problems in terms of their reading comprehension. Something along those lines. It's wow. really very strange. A connection to make but I, they had made this connection they being whoever the researchers are so they found out that if you uh if you don't crawl then there's a problem with your reading skills am i am i saying that right producer joey um you're more likely to have some problems more likely to have reading problems uh with reading comprehension problems if you don't crawl oh. isn't that strange yeah so anyway How is that connected i don't that know. doesn't make sense i, I yeah. don't know hmm. so anyway there you go that's, that's what's going on with the baby. Nice. And you're getting sleep? Yeah. I think uh, Producer Joey's getting less sleep than I am. She yeah. goes back to work next week. I've been at work for I was going to ask about while, that. She's weeks. been off week. Yeah. yeah. Joey's been off Yeah, week. she's off. Um, she was sleeping soundly till I walked in and said hi. Then she started crying. Yeah. That was Producer, oh! producer Joey, right? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, we should mention, um, you know, we should mention at this point that next week, we're, We're going to be taking right the time off, uh, taking a week off. We are. Yeah. Good. So next yeah. week, I'm going to rerun an episode. An episode. Oh, which yeah. one in particular are you I'm doing thinking today? Film Worker. I agree. Yeah. Liam Vitale came in for uh, Film Worker. That was a great episode. We got great. a lot of really good best. Kubrick discussion. A lot of discussion. feedback. We got a lot of feedback on that one. So I think I'm going to so rerun Film Worker next week. Now, this means you're not going to see me for 14 days. Are you going to go through withdrawals? <laughs> I'm sorry. Withdrawals? That, yeah. Aren't you going to like... Pine away for my Ira. <laughs> I don't know if pine is the correct word <laughs> I would use in that sentence. Uh, yeah, so I'll get a, a respite from Ira for 14 days. Respite. 14 days. Well, yeah. Yeah, 14 days. I'm going to miss you. Mm-hmm. Can I, like, come over here next week and just hang out with you? Sure. All right. And we'll do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a podcast. Uh, no, we got we, we have some other plans next week, so uh, yeah. we're, we're taking Easter off. It's odd that you, as a as a Jew, would want Easter off well yeah there's a lot going on so what's uh, going on i'm actually i'm uh on the, the night we usually do our podcast on mondays i'm going to be officiating at a wedding two students um former students yeah i got married they took me out for dinner they said we'd be honored if you would marry us wow so i'm now a minister That's, you are i i did it that route. well you did you did, did this did before that, yes i've done it before but it should before, be noted that you had been a minister and officiated at a wedding previously oh, oh, oh. yes yeah of anyone my know. wedding oh that's right i wasn't going to bring that look up, how well that worked out yeah, like it's my fault yeah yeah like it's my fault i think you blame me more than once <laughs> <laughs> that was wedding number one wedding number it should one should be noted producer joey is wedding number two we did not have 
uh, Minister Ira there. No. De- Deputy no. Ira. Deputy, I was deputized. Yeah. I wanted to go the civil route for your wedding. Didn't want to be, uh, didn't want to do the religious route. And so you went down with me to the courthouse and uh-huh. I was sworn in, took an oath to the United States government and uh, I was deputized. An oath to the government. It's true. The, the, yeah, to the constitution and I could marry people on that one day, mm-hmm. unlimited. I could do as many people as I wanted. So I actually announced it on Facebook. I said, I'm available for weddings I'll be busy from noon till three, but I'll be available from four o'clock on. Nobody. <laughs> no, nobody, sure, nobody. 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 No takers? Nobody. But this time I did the minister route and I, it's. So you're an official minister? I am and it's silly. It's, Robert, it took three clicks. I thought there was going to be a whole. Yeah. Do you know how simple it is? Yeah. I didn't have to go down to the courthouse. I didn't have to be sworn in. All I do is click, click, and boom. That's do you, it. Do you regret having done that? You should have done that for our wedding, my first wedding. Well, well Yeah. <laughs> or I shouldn't have done anything, and then you would have been married, and that would have made your life a lot more streamlined. You'd be more happy now. Well, yeah. Uh, whatever paths get us to where our final destination. There's truth is. to that. No? There's. I do believe that. So I'm now minister. So have you I learned run. anything I'm, from the first runaround that sets you up for this one? Well, no. I I did a great job. It was the marriage that wasn't working. Uh, oh, I see. <laughs> I was fine as the officiant. I think the, the officiant, officiant is what fucked up the whole thing. We well, just got off on the wrong note. That more. You've liked to blame it on the Jew. <laughs> Yeah, and happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to you, murderer of our Savior. Ah. Uh, All right, hey man, you want to talk about uh, what movies you saw this week? Are you saying it's time for the Week in Review? Yeah. Some are old, some are new. We now present the Week in Review. Who's going to go first? You are. I am? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, there's a few films. Robert, are you familiar with a movie called Francis Ha? Yes. You know, I knew it, and I knew that you would have known about, I love you. I love that you know this stuff. And this was, uh, you probably know the name uh, Greta Greta Gerwig. Yeah. And she was a uh, mumblecore darling. Right. Mumblecore darling, an actress, but also did writing too. This was a black and white film and it was trippy. It was very low budget, but I found it fascinating and compelling. And and I liked it. Uh, Also, you know who else was? um, No, wait a minute. Let's pause for a second. Adam Dreyer was in it. Oh, was he? Yes. They had a small part. Okay. Go. You now a number of years ago. Yes. I introduced you to you that taught term. Me that word about mumblecore. Yep, you did, and you were not aware of How it. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning a lot from you. Huh? Yeah. Do you learn a lot from me? Uh, what not to do? <laughs> <laughs> But the very no, term mumblecore, and look how comfortably I just said that she was a mumblecore darling. Yeah, yeah. So these are these are no budget films. These yeah, right. are micro micro budget films, and she's done a lot of them. And it was a trippy black and white relationships and all that stuff. Right. But I found it compelling. I liked it. So there yeah. are some really interesting uh, ideas going on within that subgenre, and uh, I, I think I've told you this before. Uh, Joe Swanberg is one of the premier directors of that. Um, that whole movement and actually went to school with Joe. He was a couple years behind me in, uh, in Southern Illinois University and we went to film school together. Good guy. This is fascinating. Yeah. I'm glad you turned me on to that whole movement. Right. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, I saw some other films. I, I, once again, I've seen this before. I saw it in the theater when it first came out. Uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I'm still blown away by the intensity of that movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, I hadn't either. I just I, remember how good Leonardo DiCaprio he's was. He's incredible. Yeah. He was incredible. I'm sure he was nominated for the Oscar. For I don't think he was. He, nominated? he had. To. That'd be an interesting question. Hey, producer Joe, can you find out if Leonardo DiCaprio was nominated for uh, what's eating Gilbert, Gilbert Grape? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1993, lastly, Hallstrom. 
the director. Mm-hmm. He's done some interesting stuff. We said Johnny Depp, Juliette Lewis. These people were really solid in this film. And of course, Leonardo DiCaprio. What a powerful movie. I also saw it, had it on the background while I was doing other things, but World War Z. I know we've may have mentioned it about a year ago in a podcast. What other things were you doing, Ira? Oh, well... I want to know what you were doing with that movie. I was pleasuring myself? Is that what you're saying? Do a zombie movie? No. No. I was was working on my... I was... was What were you doing? Pleasuring myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's perfect. That was perfect. (laughs) But... What were well, you doing? I just have often I do have movies on certain movies because right, I, right. I, I, I totally certain understand. movies and I I was just doing stuff. I might have been working on the filing system, putting things away on the phone, texting. I might have been doing things. I could have been working on some, one of my many projects. Who knows? I just well, had. It I'm on the just background. curious what projects you work on. You don't think you're I, like an enigma? Am I an enigma? Yeah, a little mysterious man over there. I do much, do you? Yeah. And that's not what. No, I yeah. know that you I do think, stuff. Yeah. yeah, I do. I'm just curious what hey, it is that kidding? you do. I mean, with 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 my play and the podcast and with Thirty Love and oh, all dude, these you're things. Oh, dude, you're busy. Hey. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even being sarcastic. And I'm supposed to be retired. You keep an active life. I do keep an active life. Sure. So I did have it on the background. You know what? That film, World War Z, really fits our our expression we're using quite a bit now that it did what it was supposed to do. Right. And that's what that movie did. Yeah, it I thought did so. I enjoyed it. what it was supposed to do. It was a solid film. One more. One more. This is not playing as a theatrical film. It's a miniseries. Uh, Fosse and Verdon. Verdon. Oh, Verdon. by the way, producer Joey just showed me he was nominated for an How Academy about that? Award. Good. He didn't win, did he? I don't think he won. No, it looks no. like, no, he didn't win. Bob Fosse, Gwen Verdon. You know who they are. And all that jazz. You yeah. know? This is a miniseries on the FX um, on the FX network. And it's with Sam, uh, Sam Rockwell, who we're going to be speaking about in a, in a few minutes when we right. get to the actual film. And he was incredible in this film. And uh, I think you mentioned, too, that also um, Michelle Williams looked like Gwen Verdon. Right. And she's one of those actresses, Robert, I never really had a handle on. Do you know what I mean? I always knew she was busy and doing things, but now I just feel like I... I did some research on her that I'm more connected with who she is now mm. having seen this miniseries and I, I recommend that it's a really solid well, miniseries like, she used to pop up all the time and now you kind of recognize yeah, yeah. her she was in a TV show what TV show was she it was one of those uh, uh, not Dawson's, Dawson's Creek, Creek. Dawson's yeah. Creek I kept trying to yeah. say- I what? kept trying to say another one like uh, yeah Dawson's Creek and uh, she was also in um, the, the circus movie of last year that uh, you didn't I oh. saw it. yeah what was that one called The Greatest Showman Great showman. Yeah, the great showman. How so, are you coming up with all this stuff? How am I doing this? I'm on fire, aren't I? How do I know this stuff? This is without my notes. You must have gotten some sleep last I night. I guess so. So at any rate, I saw that too. Those are the four films I want to mention. You. Nice. Uh, I actually saw a lot of films this week. Uh, I'm not going to mention everything, but I'm I'm going to mention a couple that are, are worthwhile of talking about. I did see Suburbicon. You did. Did you see this? No. It was a movie that when it came out, I was kind of like, I want to check this movie out. I think the trailer did a poor job of... Uh, establishing what kind of film it was going to be because it it made it seem like it was going to be a quirky kind of uh, uh, comedy. And and I guess it did have some elements of that. It definitely felt like it was going to be, uh, you know, it's written by the Coen brothers and was directed by George Clooney. Right. And uh, I guess it felt like it was going to be a little bit more um, tongue-in-cheek and and have a lot of oddball humor. Yeah, quirky. And it didn't really have a lot right, of that. Right. It, it had a couple of moments that were a little unusual, a little bit of the kind of Coen Brothers hijinks, but not too much of it. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was uh, it, it was a decent film. And what's odd about it is that in the first 10, 15 minutes, 
I sat there watching it and I thought, man, you know what would be cool is a film where the guy, the uh, where there's a, a man and he, um, his son is a witness to a murder that he does and the rest of the movie is him trying to shut his son up and not you know, go to the police. And it turns out that's exactly that's the plot exactly of Suburbicon. Yeah. And that's basically about this guy who has committed a murder and his son is starting to figure it out. And he's trying to prevent his son from figuring it out because he's going to get busted for it. You know, we saw the trailer together and you come, you said you wanted to see this film. Right. And you actually considered doing it as the prime film. Oh, really? I don't by. remember. We talked about it. Oh, yeah, okay. we decided not to. It just got through, got by us. Nah. But yeah, we, t- we talked about it briefly if we should do that one or not. Hmm. I'm glad you saw it. So it was disappointing no well, i wouldn't no, say that it was strong. different it was not it was what you diff- expected it to be the trailer did not reflect what the film right, right, was right um and it was good i enjoyed it it wasn't incredible but it was it was decent uh i actually went back this weekend and rewatched out of sight uh, another george clooney film I, do you remember out of sight I, it was I, with I, yeah well that was directed by uh soderbergh your guy your guy right why I'm on fire. Look at all these references I'm getting. Your guy. He is your guy. He is my guy. He's, I think he's your favorite. Oh, for sure. He's your top three, anyway. Number one. Number I'd one say, director. Yeah. yeah, and I saw that in the theater when it first came out. We'd like talking on this podcast about how movies have held up throughout the years. So I am curious. Uh, you saw it originally. I think and you it holds saw it up again. really well. Really? Uh, it's So I, I've been doing... I told producer Joey a while back, I said, you know, one of the things that I'd really like is to sit down and watch all of Soderbergh's films. And he's also known for doing a lot of really great commentary. And I like to listen to all the commentary that he does. Uh, He's actually done some commentary on other people's films as well. So he's done like guest commentary on The Graduate and a few other films that are really, really important. And I said, I'd love to just listen to everything he has to say. He's known as the king of commentary. So... I bought a few of the old Blu-rays on eBay and just started kind of piecing together a little Soderbergh library because I didn't have a lot of the films on disc anyway. And so we watched it just because I thought, you know, it'd be interesting. I didn't listen to the commentary yet for uh, Out of Sight, but I did watch the film with producer Joey. And she, we'd both seen it a long time ago. Um, and it's interesting to note that his whole career, uh, you know, he, he does sex, lies, and videotape. He's the king shit of fuck mountain right after uh, after that everybody in hollywood wants to work with him uh he turns out kafka which is a film that no one really understands it was very artsy and everyone was like what the fuck is this and then he turns out king of the hill not the tv show but the the movie which most people didn't go see never even heard of it it's uh it came out right around the same time that uh that universal was dealing with the water world disaster so no one took any notice never got any publicity and he starts to realize he's having this meltdown he's not doing well in in his films he makes another film called the underneath which is total trash and everyone's like okay discount this guy he just got lucky uh, lucky shot. So he goes back and makes Schizopolis. And then after that, he kind of reinvents himself. And he comes back with, um, you know, he does a couple of other movies. But his first big movie back into the studios is Out of Sight. And Out of Sight, is a it's a really, really well put together film. But it's really interesting to look at the progression of his films and to see almost like the the first half, the first four films, it's not even half, but the first four films are, are made so different than the rest of his films mm-hmm. after it. Um, there's techniques that he uses and he's starting to, to use here that he really starts to use throughout the rest of his work. Things like uh, jump cuts, things like um, uh, uh, scenes with no dialogue. And you'll see people 
uh, having conversations just with in silence with or with music playing over and he really starts to get more involved in the process of editing and and holding like doing uh, freeze frames and and really odd uh, kind of uh, these these weird editorial processes that really bring your attention to what's going on so i think that's a a really good jumping off point it's very accessible it's a very uh, easy to watch film but it's also very um soderbergh-esque so it's a it's a, a really great marriage of his material. Oh. Yeah, spent last few years with what with Logan Lucky and High Flying Bird. Yeah, and I will tell you, I, he is my favorite director, but I don't like all of his films. Yeah. I think it, there's a few and misses. There, it's and misses. But I, that's what I like about yeah, it too yeah. is that he's trying stuff. So I can never suck this guy's dick enough because I, I, I know other people may not like him, but I think if you're not looking at his whole body of work, you're missing some really great moments in there. And some people might like him other people don't maybe he's not everybody's cup of tea but i like the chances that he takes yeah. and he he's trying something different he's not trying the same stuff uh you know so many other filmmakers do that scorsese really tries to branch out as well scorsese has broken the mold several times but uh, you know spielberg is a great example of somebody who just keeps kind of doing what he does and that's great do what you do i just don't like it that's not my my taste i like uh, more variety. I like somebody who's trying to expand themselves. I saw Out of Sight in the theater on a first date, and all I remember from it is Jennifer Lawrence Lopez getting out of the trunk of a car. That's all you remember. She does get out of the trunk of a car. There's a no, really it's a, it's a it's a yeah. There's a really great, very romantic scene between her and George Clooney, and really, um, yeah. it's so. The, there, there's a, a sequence. She's a cop and he's a criminal, and they fall in love. And she's trying to bust him, but they also, you know, have this kind of cat and mouse play. And he shows up at this hotel that she's at, and they sit down, and it's snowing outside. And they have this, it's really well lit, and they're just, they're really close, and they're kind of still playing this um, cat and mouse thing. And it's them at this hotel bar having a drink, and it's beautifully shot. And there's just a lot of that kind of coy talking. And then he's intercut that with some of the sex scenes. And it really made both of them better. If it had just been them talking, it wouldn't have been as strong. And if it had just been the sex scene, it wouldn't have been as strong. But the fact that both of them together made both elements uh, right, even right. even more magical. It's a really cool uh, just moment in filmmaking. Nice. I think it's glossed over. I think people talk about out of sight very much. But there's some really cool stuff happening there. Yeah, I want to see her get out of the trunk of a car. I, th- I think you probably want to see the sex scene. You get some booty there. Anyway, there's that. Nice. That's your weekend review? That's my weekend review. Okay. Robert, is it time for the main film? I guess it's time for the main film. Talk us through it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this week we saw Best of Enemies. Now, is it The Best of Enemies or Best of Enemies? According to the article we have here, it's a The. It has the, a the. Yeah, the, the Best, best of, of Enemies? Of okay. Yeah. So this is... Uh, I think it would be better without The. I think it, it is it, it, Best it, of Enemies. I'll find out. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Best of Enemies is based on a true story. So this is set in 1971, and it centers around a uh, character named Ann Atwater and another character named C.P. Ellis. C.P. Ellis is the head of the local chapter of the KKK, and Ann Atwater is a, uh, a, a very... What's, what am I trying to say? Outspoken black woman who is trying to change some of the some of the laws and regulations of the town, 
in uh, what is it, Durham, North Carolina? Is that yes. where it was? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so the problem becomes the school board has to make this decision about whether to integrate or not. And so what they do is they bring in a third party who uh, creates a charrette. That's a new word for me. Me too. Have you ever heard that word? No, but I love it. It's it's. I, I really googled like the it. word when I got home. Me, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So a charrette is a ten. In this case, it's ten days. It's not always ten days. It's a big kind of meeting of the minds, and um and the character uh who was it? It was uh what's the character's name? Well, who our lead? Seat Floyd Kelly is that who? No, Bill Riddick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bill Riddick. Uh, he winds up selecting C.P. Ellis and and Water to basically sit down and, and be the co-chair heads of the charrette. So a charrette is just a big meeting of everybody. But, but let me say, to hash that out their differences. Besides it being advisory, it's actually binding. Right. It's binding. It's like a legal decision. That's what's fascinating about a charrette. Right. Okay. So, well, in this case. It was legally binding because the go- the state government said we're going to do whatever the charrette decides. Right, right. You're right. So it's not always. Yeah, I wonder if a charrette standing out zone is necessarily legally. Well, binding. I did some I research know. on it. They yeah. said that charrette actually came from French, the French, French term, right. uh, which used Design. to be for sh- for chariots, and they yeah, used to. That. You read that? I did. And uh, they used to bring around like a little cart basically and people would be uh the architects would be finishing at the last minute and working on their designs and throwing them onto this little cart this little chariot and that's where the term came from is uh all right we're gonna be working into the last minute and so you and your group everybody has to kind of throw in and and solve these problems uh to get it done in time before the cart comes around it was often for design right for design purposes architecture and design right but it's fascinating this is a word and I know we're off on a brief tangent, but like we both taught speech communication. I emphasized group dynamics courses in that. And we had symposiums and red robins and so on. And I never heard this term. Right. I never heard this term. Charette. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I think the uh, the filmmakers knew that because they actually emphasized that word a yes, few they times did. just to be like, let's yes, learn. They did. And, and and it definitely sends you home going, oh, what, a, what an interesting new idea Concept. here. Yeah. 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 All right. What do we think of the film? What do we think of the film? I'll tell you what I think of the film. Go. You go first and I'll jump in. All right. I did not like this I film. I didn't either. I knew you weren't going to like this film. I knew you weren't. I had a feeling you'd be disappointed. Not in me, but in the film. Well, here's what I thought. What was wrong with it? I'm going to tell you. I, I've, been, I've been waiting for this moment with you, Rob. If you could articulate why it didn't work. It, I will. And I'll, I'll tell you, there were a few things. Okay. Let's get started. I'm literally going to roll up my sleeves because there's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot to unpack. So predictable. It's so predictable. I'm interrupting you. Here I'm asking you. And before that I was it. To, Robert, Robert, I couldn't get past the predictable. We knew. All right, let me just say that there's there's A and there's B and we know A and B are going to come together at the end. Right. We even know that his, his son... His son, who has... Right, let's okay, back up. You should first, and then we'll go into all this okay. predictability. So C.P. Ellis is, has a son who is mentally disabled. He has Down syndrome, and he's in a uh, psychiatric hospital. And we know that that's going to have some sort of play into what happens later on in the film. And you're absolutely right. It's very predictable. From, from the beginning, you know... These two opposing forces are going to wind up becoming best friends. And I think even the title you're right is a play on best of friends yeah right, best right, of enemies right. best of enemies and i get that that's uh, look i understand that that's what actually happened uh, you know i actually did some research after it because i wanted to find out how much liberty did the filmmakers take and it turns out they didn't take that much liberty but i think here's where they missed the boat 
first of all, these all of these films are almost carbon copies of each other. And it puts me in a really difficult position talking about it because it almost makes me have to say uh, things about the KKK that I don't want to have to say. I don't want to say, what about the good things the KKK does? You know, I don't, I don't want to be put in that position. It's an awful group, and I, I, I despise them. You know, I tried to join. Did you really? I went on their website, yeah. There was a little, <laughs> dro- there was a lot, little dropped out. So what's your religion? I typed in Jewish, and they said, we're sorry. We don't think that you're meant for our organization. We're sorry. <laughs> I'm just making this. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, but, but the problem is, if, cinematically, these are all walking, talking stereotypes. They're just they're yokels. And were besides C.P. Ellis, besides him, were there any other members of the KKK who had any nuance to mm. them? No, no. They were all cartoons, right? And meanwhile, on the black side of things. There was a lot of nuance with yes. some of those other characters. Yes. And uh, the preacher, for example, had a lot of nuance. And this movie missed the opportunity to truly show two sides of the same coin. To, there, was, there was very little discussion about some of the Black Power stuff that was going on, like the, the Black Panthers and, and some of the, the groups that might have been more militant on the Black side. And I'm not trying to vilify them, but what I'm saying is, if we're going to vilify the white, let's vilify the black. And if we're going to show the good side of the black, let's show the good side of the white. And there had to have been white people who were advocating for this uh, for this change to have happened, this integration of the schools uh, in this area. And they mention it. They do mention that, but they don't really focus right, on it. Right. And so it becomes more white hatred. The whole film becomes white people are bad, black people are good. And that kind of narrative really starts to right. serve to become there. It creates more otherness. It creates uh, black people over here, white people are over there and white people. You should be ashamed of yourself. And if you don't feel guilty, there's something wrong with that. But instead this movie could have been a charrette for us. It could have been speaking for the, the racial tensions in America. When I say us, I mean Americans, not white people. I mean, just Americans coming together and understanding both sides of the issues and especially since that's what happened let's do that let's mm-hmm. let's show both sides and and take away a reflection we need that politically i don't know why we're um you know we're, we're still arguing over hillary versus trump and, and things like that like we're, we're so divided that would have been such a breath of fresh air but this film missed the boat right was it was it the direction pedestrian the way it was directed that work for you it's well in what ways i don't know in what way it just felt i do think it was long i felt yeah. like it was long yeah. we had some false endings too near the end till it finally yeah. got to the ending like okay we get it already that's it we get it already we, we get, get it. it already we get it already. we got it already from we got it in the after first the opening minutes. credits yeah it was just we, we got it yeah i will tell you too uh spoiler at the end of the movie yeah. uh all right so cp ellis owns a gas station and i knew well before the 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 big denouement at the end of the film. So CPL stands up, and we know he's going to wind up voting for school integration. That's just a foregone conclusion. We knew, that. We knew hours it before the end. It was of the not film. a surprise. So he rips up his his KKK membership speech, card. Even the speech he gave was right. It was very it was predictable. On the nose. Right. Right. It was right. on the. This is my card. It meant a lot to me. I feel like I identified. But apparently, and he, he actually it did it. Uh, did he really, really he do ri- that? He, he actually tore up his card membership card. So. 
I, I, I'll give them that. Okay. But I, the big speech seemed a little over the top. Yeah. But then I said, okay, so he's, they're going to attack him. And I said, what are they going to do? They're probably not going to show up to his house because they know he'll shoot him. So they'll probably go attack his, his yeah, gas sure. station. That's exactly what they did. And I said, okay, well, then what that means is that we've already set up that he won't sell to black people. So now all these black people are going to come in and they're going to be bringing their cars. A and long so, line of cars at the end. Okay. You didn't get an emotional swell? No. I, I got a, a swell on my feet to get the <laughs> fuck out of there. <sighs> Predictable. Predictable. A, B, we know A and B are going to come together. And again, with his uh, son with Down syndrome, I knew that kid was going to be um, a vehicle to get them close together. To, right. They were going to bond over something was going to happen. And sure enough, it was all so very predictable. What would have been more interesting... And long. It was too long. Yes. What would have been more interesting is if we'd actually seen some of the things that she said to him that made him start to change his mind. Like, if we had spent more time on the charrette going, well, what about this point of view? And him going, well, you know, let me think about that. And apparently, I'd done some research afterward, and apparently he really started to side with her when he started to realize that he was very poor, and... He realized that the poor people of the town really had more in common. They would actually, the white poor people would benefit from some of the changes that were happening um, in the same way the black people would benefit. And it really became more of a class issue than a racial issue, which if you ask me, I think is actually at the core of a lot of the racial tension in America. I think it's more about class than it is about race anyway, but that's getting beside the point. Mm-hmm. So I I, th- I think that would have been a lot more interesting to watch is to watch the two of them have these discussions. And apparently he was uh, he would show up and sing some of the gospel songs as well. Like he wasn't this kind of standoff, like, no, we're not going to have gospel. He would show up and he would sing and he really got into the music. And a lot of the other uh, KKK people did as well. So uh, it was it was more of a bonding thing than what the film let on. The film let on that it was <clears throat> everybody kind of stayed in their own world. You know, black right. people stayed together, white people stayed together. I that think was also there's a motivation when they go through the burnt out school and saw the kid. We, we should mention that that was the reason for the city to come together. That one right. of the, so the black school, the black school caught fire right. and they needed to integrate the schools <clears throat> because the, uh, the, the black students didn't have anywhere to go. Right. And so one of the things that they did on the charrette on the last day was to go tour the black school to actually get an idea of should we keep sending these students to this school that's all burnt up and they're trying to repair? So what were you saying about it now? Yeah. So I think that was also a moment of change. Yeah. He was going through that and he saw the, not the smoke, the stench that there can't be any learning going on in these classrooms. Right. So I think that that was an aha moment too, but you're saying more of that and the dialogue between the two leads would have been what this movie needed Yeah. to understand. Yeah. And by the way, speaking of the two leads, they were both great. Yeah. They were both great. There was there was some really stiff acting. Uh, the governor, I, I think it was the governor and whoever his um, his like sidekick was that was introducing the idea. The charrette, I, I've, it felt to me like they were local actors mm-hmm. who had they didn't really know how to carry the scene. And uh, I think it was just I th- I think probably the the film got rushed during those scenes. It really should have taken some time and those actors probably didn't know the process of how to right. 
um, how to explore the lines in other ways because they're not they weren't making the lines their own. They were just basically reading off a right, script. Right, right. You could feel it. Right, right. But not Sam Rockwell. I mean, he was. Oh no, he Sam was Rockwell was right. good. And we spoke about him before and again with as um, whenever I look at him, I think about him as as uh, Bush in Vice. Yeah. There's something about his eyes. There's there's a beatiness with his eyes, and yeah. I couldn't get past that. But he's quite incredible with that. Of course, like I said earlier about with Bob playing the part of Bob Fosse. He's just incredible. By the way, I love Sam Rockwell. Do you know this, that he had that part in Galaxy Quest? Oh, yeah. You knew that? Oh, yeah. He was the crew member who, without a name, and they was afraid they're going to kill me off. I don't have a name. I don't want to go down that planet. I'm right. gonna be, it was a great part for him. And that was when I first thought, who is this guy? You yeah. know, I, I, I think I've talked about it on this show before. My favorite film of his is a movie called Box of Moonlight. And it's, I, I don't think you have, but you should really see it. And I was doing a little research about Sam Rockwell the other night. And he actually said that Box of Moonlight is what changed it all for him. And he was just kind of a, a working actor and just trying to pay some bills. And like he couldn't get very many parts. And then he got Box of Moonlight, which was an independent film. And he said everything just started wow. to shift after when that. When was that? About what year? A 94, I mean, I'll mm -hmm. say. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, actually, our friend Mark ha is a an extra. You see him for a split second in that movie. Mark? Yeah. It was really? shot in Tennessee. It was shot wow. in my hometown. Wow. But it it he is great in that movie. And it's it's probably the best performance I've seen from him. It's a he's just kind of this weird, crazy character who wears like a, a coonskin cap the whole time. It's just it's it's really, really good movie. It's not talked about nearly enough. It's a really <laughs> nice small film. It's meant to be small. You know who else was good in this film? And I didn't know it was her until the closing credits. Bruce McGill? No. And Aish. Did you know? And did you you didn't know? No. That's that's great that you didn't know. Who was she? She was in she was the wife. Oh, was she, that her? Yes. Oh man. Yes. And I thought she's really good in this. Who is she? It's Anne Hache played the part of the wife. Oh, I didn't recognize yeah, her. Yeah. And I should have known from the the tussled hair. The tussled blonde hair and the thin body. That's Anne Hache. And I know we're not going to get to this for a while, but I want to suggest to you that that made it a little bit more anti-wave because of Anne Hache and who she is and the shenanigans that went on out in the desert and all that weird stuff. You no, know what I mean? What, no, what went on in the what desert? What happened? She was like lost in the desert for a few days after she was feuding with Ellen DeGeneres. Really? Yeah. I didn't hear weird about this. Weird shit went on. So just, it was just, what am I trying to say? She carried a few films years ago. She was actually romantic lead in a couple movies. Oh yeah, but the I, one with Harrison Ford? The yes. Six Days what was and that Seven Nights? Six Days, Seven Nights or something like that. Yes. But I think she's really become a really solid character actress. Mm. Yeah. I just enjoyed seeing her in that film. Yeah. Anne Hage. So yes, the acting was good with these primary people. Right. But the others certainly left some something the, to be desired. Yeah. Some of the extras were... I want to share a pet peeve okay. with you. And the music... There's been a lately I've seen this. It's almost like a phenomena to have the in this film we saw the house being riddled, riddled with bullets and gunfire while they played the song Blue Bayou mm -hmm. in the background. Blue my Blue Bayou. And I get it intellectually that it's showing the juxt the irony, the juxtaposition. The first time I ever saw that was in Clockwork Orange, the famous rape scene where we did they did that right. musical number. And I get it, but it still pulls me out. It pulls me out. You're yeah, looking at me you, right no, now. I'm, can you appreciate it? Yes, I can. I could, I'm trying to think of... There are, are a few other times where that's worked. For example, uh, Stuck in the Middle with You when he cuts his ear off in Reservoir Dogs. Uh, you know, that, that worked pretty well. Do you remember Reservoir yes, Dogs? Yes, I do. Or, and that does he, work with it, that example. It worked pretty well. But there are times it just... But I it, think you're right. I think the number of times that that works is... Rare. It's rare. It's maybe a handful of times, five times, something like that. But it's... 
this it, it didn't work. It it felt like it was trying to be right. another right. film. It didn't right. feel like it was right. really sincere. Yeah. Yeah. And I also noticed several times where they had gotten a song and they only had enough time to play a quick clip of it. And I could hear it fading out, which is really distracting. I could almost hear the levels being dropped out. I don't think it was mixed right. I mm -hmm. think they must have rushed the audio mix. It, it could have been a lot more smooth and and, and then left it. Um, how, how do I? I'm trying to show it visually with my hands, but that doesn't work well with the podcast here. The the nodes as you're trying to to bring the volume down could be more graceful. It could be dropped down in a way that that is a lot more smooth. But here in this film, it was almost angular. It was very uh, almost a cut, mm -hmm. um, and you could hear the the music dipping. You don't want that, right? I remember this moment that you're saying. I don't remember the song, but I was actually aware of this, that the song, the volume was going da da da, and it was the end of the scene. Yeah. And it felt like where they're cutting the music too soon, yeah. they probably were hoping the scene would have more length to it. I guess. So it could more, or at least let this music build to a crescendo well, was, or something. There were a couple of really good songs. I think there was a Grant Green song that was in there that was really nice, a couple of jazz songs that were nice, but uh, it, it, they were trying too hard with the music that it didn't fit well. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So... Are, are, is this a bad film? Yeah, well, I just want to say that, excluding the documentaries, we've done some documentaries lately, but the narrative films that we've done, uh, Dragged Across um, Concrete, concrete, and, um, oh, and The Legend of Cocaine Island, we both love those two movies. Yeah. And this was, um, this was quite a disappointment. This was quite a disappointment. I was trying to figure out why i was also look robert i'm also wondering if the story itself needed to be told i, I was like, just going to ask that question do we need I don't this think film so it's again with green book and other green this, book right green this movie i could see this movie having come out in the 80s maybe it's like we know it already right we're being hit over the head it also reminded me of hidden figures right that was that called yeah because it, again dealing with race relations and segregation and so on a period piece a couple decades we ago. we get it we get it already hidden and it had a certain, it didn't, this could have been, A, I'm not sure if this movie story needed to be told. B, I didn't like the way it was told. We get it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we needed to hear this story. Yeah. We're being hit over the head with it, that message. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Man. There's a reason, and again, I didn't check till after the movie on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got 52%. 52. How about that? How about that? I wonder if they thought this film might have some Oscar legs when they were putting it together. They were thinking, man, we've got a real shot at winning an Oscar here. They, they probably did. And, and then they started who releasing knows? it and they're going, nah. He, no. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, it's, okay. It, it, I, I, did you read any of the reviews? What yeah, do the reviews say about it? Same. Th the reviews, some reviews. Some reviews were actually praising it. I'm convinced on Rotten Tomatoes that these are people associated with a movie. Do you think that goes on? Mm. No, you don't think so? On well, Tomatoes I mean, the, or... the, the critics know. I mean, they're, they're critics. Yeah. Especially the top critics. That Their job is to review the No, films. like IMDb. You know, a lot of the IMDb ones. I don't know. But some people thought it was hackney and trite. Some other reviews suggested we don't need this movie yet. We get the message. We get it. We've seen this before again and again and again. Um and then a couple of other critics just 
Well, they, everyone praised the acting with the two leads, and yeah. we are too. Yeah, we're in agreement on that. I, she was not as good as he was. Agreed. Agreed. He, there was a mo- moment uh, where Sam Rockwell was really brilliant, and it was we know what's coming, but the look on his face when which scene? Um, when it's his turn to vote for school integration, and I I was thinking about it as as it was happening. I was kind of watching his face and looking at the choices that he made. And it was really interesting the way that he chose to show that he was going to have to vote for school integration. And that, that look on his face of like, yeah, huh, this is, this is going to be tough. Um, you know, I, I thought that he made some really interesting choices there. The direction you were talking about is the direction. Good. The choice to, Leave it all up to him. Uh, they were trying to create tension there. Where we already know play. where the trenches. That's a screenplay yeah. Right. fault. Yeah, sure. So predictable. Right. So predictable. Well, I guess the same direction, just because of the staging of where everyone was. Mm. You're right. It is a screenplay problem, uh, but it's also a direction problem, just where everybody was sitting. And I don't. It just you don't care. I don't. I don't care about these characters. The characters are too cartoonish. They're Agreed. they're not realistic enough. Is it a movie you'll see again? No. 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 Disappointing. I don't even think it's necessarily a bad film. I don't think it's a bad film. Disappointing. Yeah. It's not a bad movie. It's just it's a letdown. Right. All right. Well, is it anti-wave? Well, oh, actually, you're going to do money shots first? Money shots first. Let's do money shots. Yeah. Uh, what do you have? Do you have anything interesting? With them? I have two. What do you have? Um, you go first. Let me think about it. Okay. You're going to think about it now. All right. I liked it when... Um, the two leads are forced to sit next to each other at a table during like a lunch break. Right. And we see Sam, I'm calling him Sam, I'm calling him by the actor's name, kind of covers it, comes, he doesn't want to sit down with her and he hovers. And I like the way he almost does, it's almost like a ballet and there's, he, he stops, he, he pretends doesn't he doesn't sit with see her. her. Right. He pretends he doesn't see her. He looks around the room and he knows that she's there and then he sits at one table removed and he even sits cross-legged at the table, at the chair and made it clear that there's, we're not, there's no bridge here. There's no bridge here. And I like the way that was orchestrated. I like, and I do like that near one of the two or three false endings that when he does vote, which of course surprised our female lead, but didn't surprise anyone in the audience that she runs out to say something to him and that it would be trite. Anyway, I'm glad she didn't say anything because she looks through the door, the window in the door, and she sees him walking off probably to the car with their arms around each other with his wife and daughter. And I don't believe that moment. I, but I liked it. I don't believe, I didn't want yes. dialogue. I didn't want him to say, I didn't want, you know, movies should show, not tell. Right. And I like that scene where then our, our female lead knew to just back off that she didn't have to go up and say anything to him. I, what about that? I, I hate that moment because... That's not what her character would have done. She I, would have rushed up. To she him and would said have something. said something. And there's no way you could convince me that a, a character who, I mean, what was her nickname? The, um, what, she had like a, something Anne. What was it? Uh, not blaspheme Anne, but like com, combative Anne or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever her nickname was. Yeah. But she's someone who talks first and thinks second, you know? And You're right. The character, when she would have barged never, through the door and she doesn't up to care. Me. She would have been like, yeah. hey, you don't get out of here without me telling That's you. That's what she's asking. She That's what said. she would have said. Yeah, yeah. So it was contrived. Right. But it had an emotional impact. Sure. All right. Whatever. All right. All right. But I just don't like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, taking a page out of the aforementioned Steve Soderbergh book, what if she just opens up the door? We don't hear any of the dialogue. The the dialogue is cut off, but she talks to them. 
and maybe there's a moment and maybe he finally shakes her hand or maybe they hug or something like that. Uh, you know, there, there's something that could have been done. Yeah. And these two became great friends afterward. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, here's what I think. I think the problem with this film, and I'll get to my money shots in a second, and I know I said it earlier, but I, I want to restate, I think this film, it will impact me because the word charrette is now in my vocabulary because of this film. But they missed the boat because they missed the charrette. I love that. Because they could have they could have redesigned how we think about political problems with this. They could have they could have said, look at look at how we've done it in the past and it's really worked out well. And let's do this from a, a place of honesty instead of a place of let's shame one side for being bad right, KKK right, people. Right. And Instead, really being truthful about both sides, you know, my my grandfather was a drunkard, and uh, he was he was a great grandfather. And he during the the second wave of the KKK, 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 just three, just three. Oh, it's three. Yeah. KKK, Now you added four more. K, 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 K. So during the KKK, KKK, stop it. Um, he was a drunkard, and the KKK came to his house, sat down, and basically told him, you're fucking up. And if you don't get sober, you know, we're going to kill you. And he did. He got sober. And he became the town preacher. And I think the KKK at the time, especially in the rural areas, they didn't have a strong police force. So it was left up to themselves to basically start policing themselves. What were the problems? My great-grandfather was white. They came to him because he had this problem. They were like a social thing. Now, they're also racist. They also hated... Right, but here's what you're asking for. Gradations, shades of yes. gray. Shades of... Yes. I love you. Take your story and I That's sum it up it. to one sentence. You want shades of gray. And you know what, Robert? That's where reality is. Not yes. in black and white, yes. but all reality. Yes. Truth. Thank you. Truth is to be found in shades of gray. And it should be pointed out, you're Jewish. Yeah. Wait, what's that point? What that mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're recognizing what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not yeah. advocating yeah. for the KKK. Yeah, absolutely not. But we want shades of gray. Absolutely. You get my point, right? Of course. Of course I do. Bingo. Yeah. And I, I, is it that people, are filmmakers too yeah. big they, of pussies they're, they're to afraid. show it? They're, they're afraid. afraid. They're afraid. They don't want to be labeled as you someone who's sympathetic yeah, to that. Sympathetic, vulnerable, where we understand their motivation, why they are the way they are. A little bit of backstory. Yeah. Nah. We're supposed to hate them. It would make for a more successful film. I mean, we saw this in the speech world, too, that, that people just kept doing r- racial uh, speeches over and over and over. And, and, and we're seeing that in we're films. Like and it's enough just, already. We get it. Enough already. We're bidding hit over the head. Also, this is a, this is a paint-by-numbers movie, wasn't it, Robert? Yes. It's paint-by-numbers. Yeah. So predictable. Anyway, right. my, my money shot money is, is going to be, uh, I think, him seeing the table for the first time with both of their names. Because one of the things about the charrette is that it forces you to have to sit next to someone else that you may not necessarily get along with. Yeah. And uh, when he sat down at the table uh, for the first time with their, their placards on there, uh, that is definitely going to be a shot. And also that shot that I mentioned earlier of Sam Rockwell's face kind of contemplating how am I going to explain this right. to this room full of people that I'm going to vote for school integration. You know, after he votes, doesn't he whisper something in the guy's ear? Yeah, you, he does. You remember that. Yeah. But we don't know what he said. We don't know what he said. I love that you... I noticed it. I yeah. noticed it. It was such a quick beat. Yeah. And I like the fact that I didn't know what... I didn't know if he was going to say, like, would, would it be offensive? 
Go fuck yourself. Like, fuck you. That's what I thought. Probably. Just fuck you. I don't know. And I like the fact we don't know. I love that you got that. You saw that. Yeah. Anyway. Is this Andy Wave? No. 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 It's this not. This is not an Andy Wave film. I dare you. I challenge you to come up with. Tell me how I, I can come up with a couple of things, okay. but I'm being desperate. What makes it an Andy Wave film? Miss? Well, I okay. think, first of all, I don't even know if this really counts. Taraji P. Henson is the. Is the um is the main female lead, and I guess in in a less if if it was less anti wave if it was more Hollywood it would have been like Viola Davis it would have been a name that we recognized a little bit more. So although she's done stuff though, right? And she has she's yeah. won awards and so on. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, all I could come up with in my desperate attempt to suggest it could be a little bit anti-wave, uh, number one, it deals with a serious topic of racial strife and segregation. And Hollywood's doing that I now. I know, I know. But I'm going to go back to my other point, which I alluded to earlier. The fact that Anne Hache is in it, I'm being somewhat serious, is a little bit edgy. It's, uh, look, I'm trying, I'm trying. I know. That, that, that's something that almost is valid to make an anti-wave movie that they pulled her in to have a really great part in this film she was terrific in it it's not anti-wave at all it's a hollywood movie it's so much a hollywood but it movie. still and, has a, a an independent feel what is it that makes it, it feel well did it, it, had an, it, it i guess film? maybe you know what the the colorization like the the way it was shot maybe maybe just because everything kind of had this blue tinge mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. that it kind of felt mm-hmm. more there was a blue tinge. independent well, I want to say that it was a Hollywood movie and it had the uh, it was so predictable and it had the happy ending. There ain't no anti-wave elements there. Yeah. What do you what kind of score do you give it? Well, we actually Now, saying a 5 is in the middle. I still need clarification on our criteria grid. I give this a, You're going to say a, a one. 1. I was going to say 1.3. Yeah. All right. Not anti-wave. Not at all. Yeah. All right. What's next? <laughs> let's go. God, God. Let's move on. I've never heard you say that before. Who died? Who died? Got to tell you. Unfortunately, we must. The following people, they done turned to dust. Uh, I'm putting out a call for people in the entertainment industry. Please hurry up and croak so I'll have more people to talk about <laughs> next week. All right. Uh, a Ned, call for death. A call for death. Nadja, the following people passed away. Those in the industry in the last seven days. Nedja Redjin, eighty-seven year old. Wow, it's like Sur- you just like you like he's your next door neighbor. Yeah, whatever. You know. Suburban actress. She was in. She was in from Russia with Love and Goldfinger. How about that? So mm-hmm. she's in those two James Bond movies. You were in Brownfinger, weren't you? No, Brownfinger. This is a joke. My yeah, my dad used to say that. Mm-hmm. Was cold. Okay. Uh, you know, this is not an actor per se, but I want to acknowledge that Charles Van Doren, you know who he is, mm-hmm. 93-year-old, and he was involved with the 50s quiz show scandals. And of course, that really good movie, Quiz Show, directed by Robert Redford, uh, did a good job. That was He was played by Ralph Fiennes, by mm-hmm. the way. So he was not an actor, but I'm including him anyway. Oh, kind of like how people. Bernie Madoff was in our uh, dead corner a few weeks ago, yeah, even though he didn't he die. Dead, we had a mistake from our <clears throat> producer. However, <laughs> what? Yeah, I think, you, didn't you mislead Robert? No. I, Am I wrong? No, she screamed, or she sent me a, a text saying Bernie Madoff, but it was in the middle of a discussion that we were having about something else. So then I thought oh, so it was part so you of you fucked the, up. Well, she shouldn't have, she should have been up. more clear. You, but you misinterpreted. You misunderstood. Right, Joey? He misinterpreted. How misunderstood. dare you side with my wife? <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, right, Dead Corner going. Silver Spotlight Award goes to Seymour Cassell. Is it Cassell? Seymour Butts? Cassell. 
Sal. Eight, you know this guy. You know who he is, don't you? 85-year-old American actor in, in Faces of the oh, Royal Tenenbaums, yeah. Dick Tracy. He had Alzheimer's. Now, he first came to prominence when he was working with John Cassavetes in a lot of his films in the 60s. And, and then he went on to do more mainstream films, including Coogan's Bluff, uh, Valentino, Johnny B. Good, Honeymoon in Vegas, Indecent Proposal. Did you ever see Coogan's Bluff? No. I never did. I no, see that's it. a movie I always wanted to see. So, uh, But Seymour is gone. He will see no more. He see no more. And Kirk Douglas is John, too. He died this morning. Yeah, did you hear about that? No. But he's not getting my Silver Spotlight Award because wow. I just don't want to give it to him. That's unfortunate. You want to play a game? It's game time. Yeah, let's play a game. What's the game? All right, this game is called Know, know Thy, Thy Enemy. enemy. <laughs> Good. All right, producer Joey is going to give us a yeah. couple of... Uh, are you going to give us a, a person? And we got to figure out the who, movie. What, what movie it's from. So All right. this person is probably an enemy. So this first one is Torrance versus Isis. Torrance versus Isis. Now, is this Isis like the terrorist group Isis, or is this a person named Isis? And we know this movie. You're not picking some obscure movie. So Torrance versus Isis. What movie is this? Is it just like a sports movie? You know what's awful about this? Neither one of us are good with names. We're both. <laughs> hey, pretty, what do you mean? You're pretty. Why are you awful saying that to me, names. Joe? I've been doing better tonight. <laughs> you I was have doing tonight. Better tonight, actually, but this I'm is on the fire. first time in first time I'm years. Not, I'm not making any mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But okay, okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't so, know it either. Is it a sports film? It's a it sports well, film. It's like, pretty good. I'm on a roll tonight. You know, I should just host this thing by myself. Let's just record next week's episode now. <laughs> is is a boxing? Okay. Is it wrestling? Okay. He's just going to go through every sport. <laughs> is it a sport with a ball? That's good. It's a no. Right. Are there teams involved as opposed to individual? There are teams. Is Torrance a, a person or is this a team? No, oh. And ISIS is the other person. And it's, it's, a, it's a team sport without a ball? All right. Wait a second. A team a sport? A team sport without a run, ball? Running? No, bicycling. Uh, is it in the Olympics? Either winter or summer. Hmm. Okay. Is it a winter? Swimming. Is it a winter game? Do you do it in the pool? Is there water involved? Okay. Are you on land? Are you on land? Are you riding a bike? <laughs> wait. Wait. She says she, her, her options are either water or land or air. Do we think this is an air sport? Parachuting. Paragliding. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, wait. I'm on a roll here. So it is land. Is it involved walking or running of any kind? What Not sport really. doesn't... What, what? I mean, like the marathon, running. Or running, the Olympics, what the cap? Don't what? involve any of that. Hey, I'm on a roll here. Just back all right, off. All right, all right, all right. Cheerleading. Pom-poms. Oh, this Pom-pom- is good. Oh, come There's on. There's a movie called... Pom- no, 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 no. It's a... Uh, come on. What? What? Oh, it's... I like this film. Yeah, Wait of course you do. There we go. <laughs> um, I really like this. It's got the pom-pom, the cheerleaders yeah. in the little skirts and stuff. It's cold in here. Yeah, what? There must be some Toros in the atmosphere. Oh. Yeah, Except from, it's, uh, we can't name the film. What's the fucking movie? Bring it Bring on. It on. Bring it on. Oh. I'm hot. So wait, Torrance I'm actually, and Isis? I'm hot right now. Yeah, bring it on. You know, with, Isis and Torrance were characters in the film. Okay. I can't believe you didn't know that. I like that movie. I know. No. Yeah. All right. Dr. Henry Jones Jr. versus Ren Bellog. Okay, again, we have a Ren. So, is it a sports? I know this one. You do? Oh, yeah. It's not a sports movie, but mm-hmm. it's got... Ver- okay. Mm-hmm. You know these car- mm-hmm. characters? What's the answer? 
Mm-hmm. We can win this one because it's you and me against your oh, wife. Yeah, right. So we're we're it's you and me, bro. This is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Is that right? Whoa! Yeah, yeah. Doctor Henry Jones Jr. Oh, uh, see what she's doing there? She's fucking junior. with you. Junior, she's fucking the dog was Indiana. It's a ju- All right, this next one is Helen Sharp versus Madeline Ashton. Helen Sharp. Versus Madeline Ashton. What the fuck? It's interesting we have two female names. Well, we think. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Helen, Madeline. No, these are enemies. Oh, rivals. Let's say rivals. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Do we have any hints? Yeah, give us a hint. Uh, come on, Bruce and Joey, give us a, give us a little hint here. Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis is in the movie uh-huh. Bonfire of the Vanities. No, but he bonds them together. He, oh, I it? know what this is. You he, do? She says Bruce Willis bonds them together. Death becomes her. Yeah, I don't think Iris I seen that. I did see it. Did you see it? The theater. You saw it in the theater? Didn't I? I don't know. I can see. Is Meryl Streep in that movie? Yeah, I think yeah, so. I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. All right. Mm-hmm. See? I think Joey beat us on this one. No. Yeah, she did. Mm. Yeah. That's two to Scores one. two to one. Yeah. Does that mean we lost? We Game lost. over? Do we We're have You got one more? We have one more. All right, Come on. tiebreaker. Let's make go. it a tie. All right. <clears throat> John Gustafson. What did he say? Gustafson? Gustafson. Gustafson? Oh, that's an F. Versus Max Goldman. John Guffs- Gustafson versus Max Goldman. He's a Jew. I, was gonna, I knew you were going to say that. And he is. And there's Max Goldman. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Guffs- Gustafson. Gustafson? Goldman. Gustafson. I think it was a stock market. John and Max? John and Max. No. Mm. I don't know. All right. Th- are they know? neighbors? I feel like that's a really. I've heard that name before. The I've seen neighbors? this movie. John Gustafson. Are they feuding neighbors? They're feuding They're neighbors. Feuding that, neighbors. That's what it's called. Feuding neighbors. No, 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 no. Hold on. We might actually get this. That just came out of nowhere. Okay. The neighbors. We're, yeah. Feuding. So, um, John Gustafson. Gustafson is what's get is bringing it back. They're neighbors, right? Was Chevy Chase in this? That's what I was thinking. I was thinking like it feels like an eighties film. Yeah, yeah, or Tom. Is this Hanks. an eighties film? Nineties? Eighties or nineties film? All right. So we're thinking about they gotta be is this like a suburban setting? Can you give us a hint here? It's a suburban setting. Gustafson. John Candy? Walter. Walter? Wait, is that the characters? That's Walter. the actor's Walter first Mitty? name. Walter? Oh, Walter Pigeon. Oh, Walter. oh, Walter. Old men. What's the old men? Walter Matthau. Walter oh, Matthau. Of course you're right. With Jack, Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau. And what's the grumpy old, grumpy old men? Grumpy old men. Yeah. <laughs> tie two two. All right, we'll take a tie as a win. <laughs> we'll take the tie. All as a right, win. nicely done. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, it takes two of us to match producer Joey. Yeah, it does. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah, yeah. Let's do some top five. You want to? And hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. 
Okay, our top five this week is top five enemies. Movie enemies, villains, maybe? Yeah, uh, you, you know, know what I did? Rivals, the... maybe? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I, well, I said enemies. Yeah, you did. And in keeping with the spirit of the film, here's what I tried to avoid. Uh, I really wanted to put down a film like Mars Attacks because I, I thought the enemies were really great there, but I thought, you know what? That's not really... It, that's like humans versus aliens. And I thought it would be better... On my end, I, I thought, no, there really needs to be a mono y mono. There needs to be an equivalent. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there it's needs really to... funny you're saying that because I was going to text you earlier and say, should we do top five favorite mono y mono moments? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, that. I'm on that level. Yeah. So yeah. all of mine, I purposely, uh, like, a, for example, the Blues Brothers. I really wanted the Blues Brothers on there because it was the two of them versus the entire state of Illinois, you know, uh, police and i thought well that'd be a great uh you know villain but no i don't i, I don't think that's it so I, I dismissed any sort of groups well yeah let me ask you are your villains all human mm, yes okay yeah but i think i think you could have some non-human I think so villains too. did you, go, you did uh, go i'm sure alien is on your list no 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 no, no. and i did not put down uh, darth vader from Star Wars, you're probably surprised to hear. I that. am surprised How about that. Yeah, that's a pretty See, good villain. It is, but I'm evolving. I decided mm-hmm. not to put that down. Okay, what's your number one? Or, or no, number, number five. Five. Right? Number five. Am I going first? Yeah. I may have mentioned this film a couple years back. I don't think you've seen it. With Lee Marvin in 1968, Hell in the Pacific. Hell in the Pacific. Yes. Hell, no, I've not I seen. I think I mentioned this once before. Hell in the Pacific. Now listen, this is um, during World War Two. That's. I, I think I've seen the cover before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we have an American, Lee Marvin, and we have a, a Japanese soldier, and they're the only two people on a deserted island somewhere in the Pacific, the only two human beings there. And it shows their dynamics, how they go through it all. There's very little dialogue in this. Here's an interesting piece of trivia. When it was shown globally, they decided not to dub it, nor to put in subtitles or captions, but just let the uh, little bit of um, language that's in there hold. The uh, the Japanese actor, whose name doesn't come to me right now, but he was in um, the, the fort. He was in the Seven Samurai. He's quite an established actor, having done all that. Uh-huh. Hell in the Pacific, and that was. Uh, by the way, I saw it in the theater when it first came out, and that definitely would be number five for my movie enemies. Nice. All right. Uh, my number five is also Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Oh, now you're not gonna know it. Uh, well, you might know it, but I don't. I don't know if you've seen it or not. But I think you would really like it. I think you would enjoy it. It's from 1993. It's a very early DiCaprio movie, uh, and the person that is opposite him, his his great foe, is De Niro in This Boy's Life. Have you seen this movie? No. It's a great film. It's uh, it, De Niro plays his stepfather, and. It's just like a classic abusive it's stepfather. Scorsese? Did no, uh, it feels like a Scorsese film, but it's not. But uh, it's a. It should be right because yeah, the two it of them. That way, yeah. Uh, yeah, but De Niro is is really just this, uh, just a really evil son of a bitch, and uh, just makes DiCaprio's life a living hell. And I thought, you know, we don't talk about that movie enough. So this boy's life, we should talk about it. We're talking. Yeah, check it out. Nice. What do you got? What's number four? My number four, and I figured, well, a monster is certainly could be an enemy mm-hmm. or a villain. and But I decided to put a little Ira twist on this. I'm going with the original 1933 King Kong, but the villain is not King Kong. 
affects us. Oh. I like that Ira twist where they try to capitalize him and make him like a circus freak and people applaud that famous scene where he's got the chains on him and so on that we turn him into a sideshow and and uh, we're the monster. We're the evil ones. We're the evil ones. We're the enemies. King Kong, the original, 1933 is my number four. All right. My number four is a movie from 1997 starring a man playing himself. Give me a hint. A radio personality playing himself. Howard Stern I love was that. in a it's movie private parts? called Pri- private, private Parts. I love Private Parts. And of course, Pig Vomit <laughs> was We've never a talked about private great parts. villain. We've... Private Parts is an excellent it's, it's, film. Robert, I don't think... Have we ever talked about it? I don't think we have. It's solid movie. It's really good. It is. And you know what it does that really it, it even a, talks about how it does this it does what what howard stern does which is you don't like him but then you get to watch him for a couple hours and you go hey, he's all right you know you kind of bond with him and no producer joey oh i know that movie is a love letter to his wife it Allison. is yeah it is and yeah. at the very end of the film where he breaks character talks into the camera and says i'm a sick fuck because i love my wife right and there's something so raw about that I am miserable. I love my wife. What else? When he's on the plane with that supermodel next right. to him, remember? And he, he's not going to flirt with her. He's not going to get it on with her. You know, plane. he does divorce his wife later on, though. I know that. And that ruined the ending for yeah. me. You're great. He did divorce Alice, yeah. and now he's remarried. Right. And that did taint the ending for me, because I love that message. Yeah. I'm, I'm fucked up because I love my wife. Uh, it was a very satisfying movie. Robert, that's, that's cool that you know it. Like- but Pig Vomit is a great <laughs> villain. <laughs> And I mean, even that name, Pig Vomit. But Producer Joey, you're saying you may not like Howard Stern, but we watched Private Parts, and at the end of it, you were like, that was a good movie. You did say that. So, yeah. You know, I want to say, I have um, XM, Sirius XM, the radio, and I listen to him regularly. Do you? And I like his interviews and when he does the shtick and about farts and taking craps and all that stuff. But he's got... With the one with Paul McCartney is incredible. Yeah. And he does have a way of digging deep, of removing layers and levels and going under certain and they feel comfortable with him. Yeah. I think it's just that he asks it. He just he he doesn't beat around the bush right. and he's just like, Let me ask you a question and he just says right. what he's honestly thinking. Right. And it's it's he also approaches people in a way that's not judgmental. It's like, Oh no, I'm fucked up. Right. I'm really fucked right. up. So and that's put people at ease. Don't, yeah, don't uh, don't think I'm I'm asking some sort of fucked up thing beyond what I'm uh, capable of doing. But I just want to know, when you were sleeping with this prostitute, what was that like? Yes, you know, and, and, yes, yes. And tell me. He's a real good at getting his guests to feel comfortable. I love these long two-hour interviews with celebs. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, kudos to you. Yeah, there you go. Kudos to you. All right, what do you got? I think you're going to like my number three. Here's a hint. Uh, 1975. A very important film, uh, directed by uh, Milos Forman. There you go. This should be one over the cuckoo's Oh, ass. right, 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 right. Nurse, nurse Ratched. Nurse I wanted to so that character, Louise Fletcher, played the nurse. And she was so believable, so credible. And it wasn't just a cartoon character, but it had texture and depth. And even the name, you know, Nurse Ratched. I thought she was quite terrific. And she definitely was a movie enemy. That's my number three. That's a good one. Thank you. My number three is a movie that I'm almost positive you haven't seen, and it's a really interesting film. It's um, it's a movie from 2001 called Intacto. So hmm. here's the premise. And I think I might have mentioned this once or twice on, on this podcast, but not very often. 
Uh, the premise is that there are different people uh, who are luckier than other people in the world. And there is a way to steal other people's luck. And what happens in this movie is there is a very lucky guy who um, he, he enters this world of competitions and you start stealing other people's luck and he is trying to reconnect with his, I think his wife, but he's, he's basically got to fight the luckiest man in the world in order to get his, his wife back. And he's got no other choice, but to move forward. And Max Van Sydow plays the luckiest man in the world. And he's collected all of these, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people's luck. And he's, he's got their luck. So he not only has his luck, but everybody else's luck. Cause you kind of amass this fortune and, uh, you know, he walks into um, into the uh, casino and drops a quarter and he wins the jackpot and things like that. So uh, this other guy basically has to, how, how do you fight the luckiest man in the world? And it's a really interesting film and it's, uh, it's, it's a drama. It's kind of like an action drama and it, would, it seems like it'd be like a corny, cheesy comedy. It's not. It's actually a really cool, it's a foreign film. It feels it's, like it's an Adam Sandler premise. Right, I know. It, that's what it sounds like, yeah. but it's done really What's well. What's it called again? It's called Intacto. I've got it. I'll let you borrow it yeah, if you're interested. Yeah, yeah. Max von Sydow, though, is, is a really great villain. And uh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's just a, 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 such a classical actor and, and you know, so well known. Nice. He, he does a great job here. What do you got? My number two. The actress who played the part, Margaret Hamilton. Margaret Hamilton. Oh, oh, come on now. Uh, Wizard of Oz. You got it. Uh, the Wicked Witch of the West, Wizard of Oz, 1939. That character with Mar- Margaret Hamilton, it's, it's in our brains. It's, right. it's in our consciousness. And what a terrific villain she was in a terrific movie. All right. My number two is from 1985, and the villain was named Francis. <laughs> and I think about that constantly. From Pee-wee's Big Adventure, 1985, uh, uh, Pee-wee had his bike stolen by Francis. And I don't know if you remember he kept calling him that. But uh, yeah, he stole the bike and then sold it off, and uh, Pee-wee has to go hunt down his bike. What does he do with Francis at the end? Does he get his um, comeuppance? What does he do with Francis? Oh, they, they become kind of friends they like, do they kind of become friends oh that peewee peewee kind of rolls his eyes about it but uh he, because at the end there's the big drive drive-in sequence and francis is giving an interview to all these reporters telling them oh yes peewee and i were very good friends way back <gasps> when you're you know now i get the two peewee movies there were two right confused is, there's actually a third a th- one there's now. a third one yeah on netflix they released really it, and it's really good what's the one where he's telling dotty I'm a loner. That's the first one. Yeah, it's big, big. I uh, love Pee-wee's big adventure. I love that. that yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be with me. You know the dialogue. I'm a loner, the, Dottie. Yeah, yeah. A rebel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Pee-wee's big adventure. What a great film. Nice. Uh, Tim not, Burton. Yeah. Paul yeah. Rubens. Yeah. Before he did Dumbo. All right. Uh, we're What's not overlapping, are we? No, I don't no, think so. My number one is another one uh, who's not um, human. Oh. Mm-hmm. Nineteen sixty-eight, directed by Kubrick. Two thousand one, uh, Space Odyssey. How? That's my number one. No, it's not. No, you're right. It's not. Hell nine thousand. Yeah. Close the pod bay door, Hal. Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer, true. <laughs> 
Why does your wife look at me funny? <laughs> because listen to you. <laughs> well, Fucking that, idiot. No, that was in the film. Yeah, okay. Just want to make sure you okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> Robert, what's your number one? My number one is from 2007. It's a uh, Coen Brothers film, No Country for Old Man, Anton oh. Chigurh. And man, he was such oh, a good villain. That's really good. Uh, you know, I, really... some of the other villains in here are really um, interesting. And, and I think it'd be, you could make the case that uh, Darth Vader, you know, has, there was some really great stuff in Empire, of the Strikes, Empire Strikes Back. And, uh, uh, you know, all these other, you're talking about um, Margaret Hamilton. But just some of the tension, if you just look at that film, the tension that he brings just because he's such a bad guy. And that scene where he, he walks into the gas station and flips the coin uh, to determine whether this guy is going to live or die. And the guy doesn't know what's happening. He's like, well, what, what, do I, what am I flipping for? And you're like, dude, you don't know who you're standing across from. This is the Grim Reaper here. And that scene alone is worth... Uh, it's it's uh, putting him on this list, but yeah, God, uh, that's great. It's a it's a really really great film. Hit by a truck at the end or something? Uh, so no, he survives. He, that's right. That's right. He his walks arm off. is all yeah. Dislocated. He gets in a car accident. That's right. And then he he's just kind of walks away. Car. Yeah, man. I've never read the book, but apparently the the movie is exactly like the book. Yeah. So anyway, nice. two thousand seven, No Country for Old Men, Javier Bardem playing Anton Chigurh. Absolutely. We had some good ones here, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Got any scoops? Yeah, I do. Well, of course, you know, Road Warrior. I really wanted to put that on my list, but I've been using that too much. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Wes is, is fantastic. What a great villain. And I thought about putting Full Metal Jacket. I thought about putting, um, you know, Arlie Ermey's sergeant character. But then I started thinking he wasn't really the bad guy. He wasn't really, I guess he might have been an enemy, if we think about it like that. But he was really trying to shape them up. He was trying to do them a favor I thought that's not really a great example of what to put on here, but there's so many enemies. I'm sure we'll have a lot of suggestions next week uh, from listeners, but uh, there's just, that's in every film. I mean, almost every film has an enemy, whether that's an external antagonist or yourself, right? Or yourself or yourself. Yes. Protagonist, antagonist. So that's why I'm so surprised we never came up with this top five topic before. Right. Um, I I came up, obviously I did not make a concerted effort to not include the fugitive. Don't worry. I wouldn't do that to you, but um, obviously rivals or enemies. And I didn't mention Darth Vader, Hannibal Lecter. Um, But I almost put this in my top five. Uh, Hans Gruber. Yeah, Hans Gruber, played hard. by uh, the diehard, uh, the Al- wonderful Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, man, he was he was just quite terrific, and uh, I considered putting him in my top five, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. Good job. Hey, man, we did it. We did it. Yeah. What do you want to do now? Uh, we want to let listeners know that if they have ah. their own enemies that we didn't mention, they can send us an email to Robert at AntiWavePodcast.com or, right. or and slash or Ira and AntiWavePodcast.com or they can message us through Twitter or Instagram which is at AntiWavePod. That's right. We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? We try not to be. <laughs> you can go to iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, just go to Podbean. Go to our website. Yeah, or uh, if, if they want, right? If they want. <laughs> if, if they it, want, they can go to our website. We're not forcing them. Right. But it would be nice. It would be nice. It'd be nice. Yeah. Or you didn't say Podbean. Did you say Podbean? Did I, did I say Podbean? I don't know. Ask Whatever. Producer Joy. We'll do a playback. Did you say Podbean? I think I did. Okay. Anyway. Oh, there's Podbean. There's Podbean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if they want, they can uh, add some dollars into our sprocket holes to keep them moving over at Patreon, okay. and that helps uh, 
uh, pay for the website and do all that kind of stuff. So uh, throw a couple bucks if you listen regularly. That will certainly help us keep making more episodes. Good. And we know what we're doing next week. We already mentioned that. Next week, we're going to take the week off. We are. And the week after that, we're going to come back with... Oh, I know. What? It's wait just a minute. It's that phenomena of hostage and capture. Stock just a minute. It, it begins home. with a letter. It begins with a letter. Stockholm. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, Stockholm. Yeah, it's fascinating how that came to be. Yeah, yeah. The movie got great reviews. I'm looking forward to seeing that with you. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about that in two. You're going to miss me, Robert. No, you're going to miss me. <laughs> in the meantime, let's thank producer Joey for doing a great job. Yeah, Joey. <laughs> woo, 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 woo. All right. And thank, Stockholm. Thank goodness the baby didn't cry this episode. She's pretty quiet, huh? Because I didn't go up to her and wake her up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so I guess until next time, yeah. there's nothing left to do but keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. Okay? Okay. Okay, 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 okay. During the okay, 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 okay. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>